this. And then I'm thinking job dissatisfaction being the foundation possibly of, you know, why people aren't where they are financially speaking. That's so true. And it it's probably speaks to why we're experiencing the great resignation right now. Job dissatisfaction and spending habits. The two things that are virtually affecting everybody in the world right now. So I brought on money coach and speaker Angela Moore from Modern Money Education to get her insight on some of these. So let's do it. Too many days in the darkness Without a glimpse of the light Running tired and broken and scared But I swear I'll never give up the fight I see you broken and beat Head pulled down over your eyes Every part of you wants to surrender Darling, you were meant to survive Angela, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. I feel like it's such perfect timing having you on right now with um, everything that is going on with with money, with everything that you see in the news, with inflation, um, possible recession, the student loan forgiveness debate, you know, home prices. And so um, a quick question to start, though, um, you know, what types of good habits with everything going on can people start to do to put themselves on a good financial path? Um, moving forward? I think one of the first things that everyone needs to do is just have clarity and transparency about where you are currently financially speaking. Um, creating a budget or just jotting down, you know, what your overall financial situation looks like right now. Because what I've seen um, throughout my career and even now is that when I ask someone a question about their financial situation, a lot of people have no clue. So for example, I may say, you know, do you have student loan debt? If so, how much? I don't know. I don't look at it. Do you, you know how much credit card debt do you have? I don't know. I don't look at it. What's your interest rate? I don't know. How much is your take-home pay every month? I don't know. How much are you spending every month? I don't know. So I think one of the biggest things that everyone can do is is create transparency about where you stand financially right now. How much are you bringing home? How much debt do you have? What are the interest rates on those debts, right? Um, what are your monthly payments overall? You know, how much are you spending on groceries or how much are you spending on whatever it is you spend money on? Just creating awareness around that. That is the first step. And that is a big step that I think a lot of people skip over. You know, when someone comes to a financial person, you know, a lot of times they want to ask the typical, typical question, like, what should I be investing in? You know, how do I they, get rich? It's like, it's <laughs> like if you're playing basketball, and you want to immediately go towards dunking the ball and you don't even know how to dribble yet. You know, it's, yeah. it's like the, the foundation and the fundamentals um, need to be focused on and, and not skipped over. Yeah, it makes sense because it's, um, you know, it's almost like setting goals for yourself. Like where, where do you want to end up? And I love how you, you know, kind of help with, um, you know, maybe we should take a look at those, you know, what debt and you're in. And that's the next step. Like once you have clarity over what you're currently doing, the next step is what are my goals financially speaking? 
what is the timeline for each of these goals? How much am I going to need for each of these goals? And then you kind of reorganize your budget to align with those goals. Hey, you said you want to buy a house and you're going to need $40,000 down. How are you going to come up with that $40,000, right? You said you want to buy that house in three years. So how are you going to save $40,000 in three years? You know, break it down and build that into your monthly yeah. budget or, or whatever the goal is. So I think, you know, starting from the basics and then building your plan around that is what I think if I had to give blanket, you know, a blanket statement about what most people need to focus on, that would be it. Yeah. It's almost like getting, getting into that attic and, and seeing like how much you spent, you know, how much you owe. It's almost like a reality check, which I can't blame people, you know, per se to, for, for like trying to avoid it. Um, but it is. And that's money avoidance is a common thing. We study it in behavioral finance. You know, it's, it's that thing where the bill comes and you don't even want to open it and look at it, or, you know, yeah. you don't want to look at your budget. You don't want to look at your credit card statement. You don't want to even look at your, sometimes maybe look at your, the balance in your account. For example, you just, you know, swipe your debit card and hope and pray it goes through <laughs> like those. That is something that a lot of people um, struggle with right now is money avoidance. And actually having clarity and transparency around your finance is empowering because now you know where you stand and kind of what you need to do. And even though you may not want to take action, subconsciously you begin to take action because you know in your mind, this is where I stand. So it's, it starts affecting your decisions. Yeah, I love how you you talk about that on your website too, um, financial empowerment too, which is um, it's it's such a I don't want to repeat the word and say empowering, but it is after you get past that like first two or three months of like really budgeting, changing some habits and some standards, and then you start to see some debt get clicked away, um, your credit score goes up. I mean, that is to the equivalent of working out in the gym and seeing results. Yeah, and I you know, but a lot of people don't like don't like that word budgeting. <laughs> and I think that when people think about budgeting, they're thinking like sitting in front of a like spreadsheet for hours and trying to look at every expense they've had. And that's not what I, that's not what I look at budgeting as. I look at budgeting as a tool to provide clarity and to create like a game plan. And essentially once when I work with clients, once we create the budget, we then try to automate as much of that as possible. Because again, going back to human nature, how many of us are actually going to sit down and do a budget every month and calculate, you know, there's some people who will use, you know, who will use applications and, and will literally track everything. I'm not one of those people. And I think 98% of my clients are not that type of person. Yeah. You know, every now and then I might get like an engineer or someone who loves you have plugging to be numbers to be able to yeah, do that. So, yeah, yeah. Some people love that kind of thing, but most people do not. And that's why so many people struggle with budgeting and they don't like that word budgeting. And if you talk about budget, it, it the word, you know, if I say budget, you're thinking restrictive, mm -hmm. you know, not fun, time consuming, overwhelming, so people don't like that word budget. So I, when I look at it, it's, it's more like a, like a money plan. Like this is where I am now. This is what I'm doing. So it's, it's like a checklist to take, take 
um, take account of what it is you're doing now. And then looking at these are my goals. How do I rework this thing so that it's lining up with what I'm trying to accomplish and then automate it because we're human and we're probably not going to do what we're supposed we know what we're supposed to do but we're not going <laughs> to yeah, do it because yeah. we're emotional people and we like to do what feels good we like mm -hmm. to do what's fun right yep. we want to live our best lives <laughs> we don't want to be restricted so yeah. it's like you kind of have to automate some of these things so that you're not having to sit there for hours and do a budget so that you're not having to constantly look at it but rather your finances begin to go on autopilot and also it's a lot of it is reprogramming the brain as well like getting excited and having a pot like just reframing things having a positive outlook and a po positive mind frame about what it is you're trying to accomplish, who you're trying to become as a person, what kind of life you're trying to live. If you start looking at, at it as like, yeah, I'm gonna be buying this house and I'm going on this you know, $10,000 vacation every single year to some tropical paradise. And you start thinking about it like that, then it gets exciting. But if yeah. you're thinking about it as like, this is so restrictive, I can't afford to do anything. I can't, you know, it, you're not gonna stick to it it's, it's just like, it's just like dieting. It's, it's like, if I look at my food as, wow, I'm about to have this amazing, you know, veggie bowl or salad that tastes so good. It's like, I look forward to that. But if it's like, I'm about to have this nasty food that I don't like, but I have to eat this because I'm trying to lose weight. Like it just yeah. isn't motivating. So you really have to reframe things in your mind and make it fun and exciting and, and, and make it something that you actually do like, you know, like if, if I'm trying to diet and I'm eating something that tastes disgusting to me every day, it's not, it's just not going to work. Let's just be honest. It's not sustainable at all. We're I mean, human. maybe once or twice, but yeah. You know, we're human. Am I going to go for the, the sugary cereal in the pantry every single time? Probably because this, <laughs> what I'm supposed to be eating is nasty. So you yeah. have to find something that tastes good. And it's the same in personal finance. Like you need to reframe it and think, what am I working towards? Like that, that idea that that vacation is going to be awesome when you save for it, that house is going to be, or that rental property or that business that you're trying to start, whatever it is that you're looking forward to, that has to be like the center of why you're doing what you're doing. It can't just be, it can't be like a negative frame of like, yeah, and it's also like your your environment too. I mean, um, you know, if if I'm trying to eat healthier, if I have no snacks in the house, I am not eating snacks. You know, like I'll look for them and sell, but like they're just not there. And I feel like it's the same thing with with money too. To where I mean, if you're trying to save money and you head out one weekend, two weekends in a row after nine p.m., not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. It doesn't mean you can't can, go out, though. but. Yeah, it, it, it can't see your discipline would have to be strong. Yeah. Like me, <laughs> if I don't have snacks in the house, I will get in the car and go get some. <laughs> so it's like, so sometimes that doesn't work for people, you know? Yeah. But for me, like I went through this five-year period where I aggressively saved money and I was on a very tight budget, but I still hung out with my friend. Like I would go out and I would order water and I would order a bowl of soup. Like everyone would be having like this big meal and I would kind of have, hey, I'll have such and such soup. And no, yeah. I'll stick with water, you know, and- And, and no, we're not I, splitting I the check. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. 
people people like make fun of people who want to split the check but i'm totally listen you had like seven drinks and oh, yeah. you know steak and all and lobster and also like no we need to split the check because <laughs> yeah. i because the thing is i have goals you know yeah. like i had a goal when i, I think I, I must have been like 26 or something and i was like i want to have hundred and fifty thousand dollars saved before i'm 30 and it was like, that's what I was working towards. And I I just had these goals and, and people did look, my friends, they did kind of look at me funny sometimes, like live a little, you know? And I was living, I was out having fun just like them. I just wasn't spending as much money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's just like, and that's different for everyone, but it has to be sustainable and it has to work for you and everybody's different. Like what works for one person. That's one thing I've learned as a, as, you know, in my line of work is that everyone's different and what works for one client doesn't necessarily work for the next. You really have to get to know the person and understand like what's going to work for them. And, th and that's what we all have to understand about ourselves. Like what's going to work for me. Cause like you said, for you, if you don't have snacks in the house, that might be like your way of, okay, I have to eat what's in the refrigerator or whatever. Right. But for me, I will get in the car, put my children in the car seat and everything and, and drive to the store and go get cookies and, and, you know, brownies, whatever. Like, so it's, it, it really is understanding your self-discipline. In fact, I was speaking yesterday to a group of students and someone asked me, is debt good or bad credit card debt i think it was and you know again it depends not, not credit card debt they asked is having a credit card good or bad is what the question was i think oh it's and it, it was kind of like it depends on who you are yeah because i've had clients who have credit cards and they literally have spreadsheets of like how to how to use these points and how to use those points and i mean it's phenomenal but then i have other clients who it's like Having a credit card is dangerous. Yeah, we gotta cut. We gotta you should cut not that have up. any. You know, so it just again, it all depends on who you are. You know your limits, and you know how you yeah. how you work, and you have to set up systems and processes for yourself. It was it was good and bad for me having a credit card because it was good at first, where I was I had the two percent um, city double cash card, and I was making money off of city by paying that off right away, getting the two percent. I was probably at you know forty bucks a month um off of city because i spent every single dollar on city would pay it off right away then two percent off of that um but then like two years later you know <laughs> city got me back <laughs> yeah like I've, I've seen people that are getting like free flights and free hotel stays and like all kinds of cool stuff yeah um but just like you i mean me and credit cards don't go well together you know i <sighs> at one point had like several credit cards. I now have one or two credit cards and I literally only have them for certain things like to book a flight or to book travel, something, something where maybe if I'm shopping online and I don't, I don't trust to put my debit card information in, yeah. you know, there's certain protections you have with a credit card that you don't have with a debit card. So it's good to have a credit card to use, but um, I certainly don't use my credit card to just go swiping at the mall or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, you have to be careful too having your credit card linked on different online shopping accounts and stuff like that. 
but it again it's it's different for everyone so yeah yeah to to go back on your um your point about like having a a mindset you know kind of like having habits having goals um i you know i was in a conversation um about two weeks ago with someone, it was about two and a half hour conversation. It was really deep on finances. And we're talking about what's the most crippling factor obstructing people from like reaching their financial goals. And the common denominator that all of our points kept going back to was job dissatisfaction, you know, and being the driving force of, of debt, of maybe not being in the best position, um, you know, for long-term wealth, because we started discussing, you know, you take somebody who has bounced around between five different jobs over five years, right? That person, when you're in a, at a company for five years, that's when you're pretty much susceptible to having more time off, you know, stock benefits, your 401k is up and running. You have seniority advantages, maybe a higher salary, location stability, um, and, you know, jumping around from job to job, you know, you end up losing out on all those amazing benefits. Um, even though maybe you didn't take any time off, you know, you're still working for five, you know, five different companies over five years, you didn't take any time off, but you've lost those benefits because you don't have that satisfaction with your job. And, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to get some of your, your thoughts on that because, you know, thinking, um, about my peers and I, I just you know, I go into a restaurant, I go into an office, you know, I, I go out, I just see it on everyone's face nowadays, the dissatisfaction with their job. And I actually had to look up the term for it in psychology called frequency illusion, which is when you see it once, you keep seeing it over and over and over again. And, mm. you know, I've been seeing that in so many people when you go out and then you start to realize like at restaurants, that might be why the service isn't maybe the best, you know, when you go shopping, um, you know, it's, it's hard to find help, somebody to help you somebody to care. And I'm starting to see that all over the place. And then I'm thinking job dissatisfaction being the foundation possibly of, you know, why people aren't where they are financially speaking. Um, and just wanted to get some of your thoughts on that. That's so true. And it, it probably speaks to why we're experiencing the great resignation right now. So many yes, people that's are just like yep. exiting and, and quitting their jobs. And, you know, I, I'm one of those people in a way too, because I had a corporate job as a financial advisor and I couldn't wait to get out of there. You know, I, I did it for many years and I, I'm grateful because I got the experience, but, um, just being in a corporate environment was not, it didn't feel free to me. Um, and also from a financial standpoint, I think there are a lot of restrictions and, you know, there's caps on how much you can earn and things like that. So I, I get that. I, I think that that's tough. You know, a, one thing I've always told people is like a job is a job is a job. A job is replaceable. And I think what, what a lot of people need to focus more so on is being, being in high demand. In other words, like your skills, your experience, your credentials can buy you your dream job if you have those things. And I get that it takes time for that, but 
you know, for me, for example, when I was working at a corporate job, I utilized the benefits that we did have to kind of level up. So, you know, a lot of companies will give you, uh, will pay for education uh, a certain amount every year, for example. Like my old job paid, I think, $5,000 a year for education. So I would get certifications. I would, you know, go out there. What kind of certification can I get next? You know, what kind of skill can I get? Even while I was working, I would be on the side on the weekends or evenings. I'd be speaking at this place, speaking at that, you know, doing stuff for free, getting experience and building my credentials. And I even had my old company pay for my master's degree. Um, and so when I knew that when I leave this company, I'm going to have all these credentials, you know, and I, I used to pride, <laughs> exactly. And I used to pride myself because I would go sometimes go to these financial planning association meetings and I would be like one of the youngest people in the room and I would have more credentials than anybody in that room for the most part. Wow. And that buys you, it, it, it buys you choices, right? Like, once you have a certain amount of experience or credentials, you can kind of go anywhere, do anything, earn anything. Um, so I, I, I think that we need, our mindset needs to shift in terms of allowing ourselves to be, to be at beck and call of these companies or these jobs and more so be like, I know what I bring to the table, <laughs> you know, I know you, you need me and you want me type of thing. Like just have it like the mindset of that, of like, when you go to an interview, you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. And you're, and you have a list of what you want out of a job. I, I want these benefits. I want longevity. I want stability. I want stock up. Like, what is it you want? And that conversation the, is so important. That first conversation to set the standards of what things are. And, and I mean, that first conversation with anything is important. Relationships and I think that's where people go wrong is because so many people are like just desperate to have a job. Right. And it's like, they'll just take anything because they just need or want a job. And it's not necessarily like the job they want or what they want to be doing or anything. And that's fine if you're just starting out. Right. It's fine if you're just trying, I just need to get some experience. I need to get some things on my resume. But ultimately, you should have been thinking about and written down, what is your goal? What are you trying to become, right? And it's like every day you're taking one step towards that goal. And maybe this job is that is one of those steps, right? Okay, I just need to get this experience or these credentials. Like I knew when I became a financial advisor, because when I became a financial advisor, that was my second career. I had been in the car business. I was a finance manager in the car business and I hated it. Like, I, just like what you're explaining, like burnt out, working crazy hours, you know, just hated my job, couldn't travel, never saw my, like- just, I don't think anyone likes working in the car business either. I hated it, okay? <laughs> hated it. Um, and I started thinking about what kind of job can I have where I will have the freedom to create my own schedule. I can wear what I want to wear, you know, um, I can make unlimited amounts of money. Like I just, I started thinking like, what, what is it that I would like to be doing every single day? And I thought to myself, I would love to just sit at someone's kitchen table and help them with their finances and then go home and garden and bake cakes. Yeah. Right. And be home with my children eventually. Right. At the time I didn't have children, but I had this whole picture in my mind of what my ideal day would look like. 
And then I thought, okay, what do I need to do to, to get there, right? To become a finance, how do I become a financial advisor, right? So the way, the route that I took, which is different than what I would advise nowadays, but I didn't know any better back then. The route I took was to go get a job at a big brokerage firm. And I got that job, right? And I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. Okay. I, I really hated it. But I learned a lot and I did, I did that for, you know, five years. That's a long time um, too, to, to dislike your, dislike your job too. I mean, five years, that's, that's it no. Is. I, I mean, I don't think everyone needs to go the route I went, but it was just a matter of, I didn't really know at the time how to get there. If, if someone was in my shoes and I was giving them advice, I would say, go find a mentor or multiple mentors who are in the profession that you want to be in and pick their brain. I never did that. That was a big mistake I made because I could have skipped a whole bunch of steps if I had done that. Um, another thing is learning about the industry. I, I went into a brokerage firm. I didn't know that financial planning firms existed. I didn't know there was a difference, right? If I, if I knew then what I know now, I would have went directly into a small financial planning firm instead of a brokerage firm. So I think, you know, my takeaways from my own experience are, to someone who's younger, who's really trying to get their footing and, and, and have like a career that they love would be to think about what do you want to be doing every day? What do you want your life to look like? Do you want to be wearing a suit every day going into a big office building? Or do you want to like work from home and wear, you know, sweatpants every day? Like, what does your life look like? What is, what are you going to be doing every day? What are you going to be wearing every day? What are you going to be driving? Like, where do you want to live? Do you want to live in a tropical place or do you want to live in, you know, a cold place? Like really visualizing what that looks like. And then saying, what kind of career can I have that matches with my skills and what I love to do that's going to provide this lifestyle that I, that I want to live and mapping that out and writing it down and then figuring out what are the steps I need to take to, to build this life? Because the time flies like five, 10, 15 years flies by. Oh, like it does. This. Yeah, it, it does. It, mm -hmm. Okay. And so, and so then you take one baby step each day in that direction towards that goal. So, you know, if you decide I want to be an architect or whatever it is, now what you do is you go interview different architects. How, what do you do in a typical day? Like, what are the different types of career paths you can take as an architect? How much do architects make minimum to maximum? You know, like asking lots of questions and, and going out and interviewing and then finding a mentor, someone in that space who can help you with those strategic career moves. And I think so many of us, um, I say us because, I didn't do it that way. And I think a lot of younger people, they're not doing it that way either. It's like, oh, I need to go to college because my parents told me to. And now I'm studying this random. And, oh, and, now, and now there's a yeah, job, yeah. right? And, and it's like the job is dictating what you're about to be doing with your career. No, you should already know where you're trying to go. And I think that's the big mistake a lot of us make is we're letting these companies like, we're going there desperate for a job. I'll take any job. And then they give you a job and it's not what you like. And it's like, well, what do I, because you haven't thought about what is it you actually want to be like, what does that look like? Yeah. And I think, you know? I think right there, like up to that point is fine. We're like, you're working for a company. It's all fine. Like even if things aren't going your way, you're not enjoying it. That's fine. But like, I think we're in the wrong as soon as we just 
don't get off the train. We don't make a plan. Then I feel like it's actually our fault. You know, well, the 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 problem is we don't have a plan from the from the jump. From the very beginning, yeah, that makes yes, sense. Yes, because the job that you get should be strategically aligned with getting you the experience and the credentials you need to do X, whatever mm. it is you're trying to do, right? So this job, and and then you go into it knowing this is just my stepping stone. I'm not going to be here forever. It it makes it a lot easier to go through it when you're like, this is my stepping stone. I'm going to do this for two or three years to get these credentials and get this experience. And while I'm doing this, I'm going to get, get them to pay for my master's or whatever it is, right? You have a game plan and now you're working the system. And what's happening in our culture is that the companies are in control and they're working us. But what people need to do is start being strategic about it. And you're working the system. Yeah, you know, you're, abso- you're, you're absolutely getting- right with that. You're absolutely right with that. Cause it's just, it's, it's cause the tools are there. The tools are there. Um, and it's, it's just setting, setting a standard, you know, whether you're going to X amount of hours that you're going to work and then only work those X amount of hours, you know, rather exactly. than having it roll into like, you know, going at the from end a- of the day, it's a job. And let me tell you something, your health, your family and relationships, you know, your life, all those things are more important. And and sometimes we do get sucked into thinking that this job is everything. That job is not everything. Yeah. It's not, it's a job and it's replaceable. And they have they have conditioned us to think that we are replaceable, right? And a lot of people are replaceable because a lot of people show up and they just, you know, do they have no long-term goal like goals make all the difference in life in general but as you know as someone in finance we start with goals always what are you trying to accomplish it's like if i get into a taxi cab the first thing that the taxi cab driver is going to ask me is where are you trying to go i don't know just drive just i'm just winging it out here you know now you're like driving around in circles you never get anywhere you need to know where are you trying to go before you even do anything i love that metaphor I love that metaphor because you wouldn't, you wouldn't get into a taxi and just be like, ah, you know? And that's why we're, you know, people are in these jobs. It's like, I hate this job. I don't know where I'm going. Cause you can't, there's no, there's no nothing to look forward to. Like you don't see where you're going. You're just, you think that this job is the end all be all and you hate it. And now you feel stuck. But if you had a long-term goal, like this job is a stepping stone. I'm, and this is specifically what I'm trying to learn, right? If you knew, if you went into a job saying, I just need to get my license, right? I need to get, I need to learn these skills. These are the things I need to learn. One, two, three, four, five. And I also want to get these credentials while I'm at it. Boom. Next thing you know, I've got, I've got these skills. I got these credentials. If I want to move on now, I can, right? And now you have these, now you can go get a higher paying job or a job that gives you the flexibility you were looking for, or a job that allows you to work from home or whatever it was that you were looking for in the, in the first place. Now you have leverage. Or if you wanted to start your own business, for example, like for me, it was like, I want to start my own business. I want to work from home. That was my big thing. You know, I want to wear, I was wearing suits every day and uncomfortable high heels and dealing with a whole bunch of elderly people that were rude to me. And I was just like, I want to work with people my own age. I want to wear leggings every single day, which I do almost every single day. And I want to create my own schedule and I I want to be home with my children. Like I created, and a lot of times people will be like, oh, you're so lucky, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, I like actively created this life. Like I I had a vision of it. 
And then I said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So that's what you have to, the thing is like, if you've never thought about what you want your life to look like, what will happen is you'll take a job and you'll start, you know, you're competitive. So you're like, I'm trying to get promoted. I'm trying to get promoted. I want to, you know, win at this job. And next thing you know, you've been there 15 years, right? And you've conquered that job, but you hate your life. Tunnel vision on it. Because you're not doing what it is that you're passionate about and what you love to do. You're, you haven't, you haven't modeled your career around the life you want to live. You've just focused on career. And you can't do that. You have to think about what do I want my life to look like every single day? You know, that reminds me when I, um, when I was in the, uh, in the army national guard, I would hear all the time, which is this, this made me sick to my stomach, honestly, because I would hear, oh, I only got 10 more years, you know, until, and they're referring to like till retirement. And some people were up to like 12 years left. And I'm like, listening, do you hear yourself? I was like, you sound like an inmate. At like a correction facility when you say i have 10 years left i have 12 years left i'm like this is your life and this is not something that's you know like uh, not something just out of the ordinary i mean this is you consider this your career so this is reflective of the person who you are and you're saying you have 10 or 12 i, I hear it all the time um and i'm like that first of all that is way more than enough time to backtrack start over and go again um but I, I would hear that so often. I would just think to myself, oh my gosh, I hope I, if I ever find myself saying that, I've got to really, really just turn the lights off in my apartment, turn everything off and just really think about like what I'm, what I'm doing with it. Because that's just, I'm like this, I'm like trying to scream, this is your life, man. It goes back to the plan. Like your example of being in the military, you know, hey, if you're in the military, stay in the free free housing, stack your money, buy rental properties. And, you know, if you have five years, 10 years, 12 years till you retire, hey, when I retire from the military, I want to have six rental properties. I want to be bringing in $8,000 a month in rental income. I want to be an architect or I want to be this or that, like whatever it is that you're, or I want to be a YouTube star, whatever you want to do. Like, have you thought about that plan? The Having a plan is a game changer, period. But what a lot of people do, you know, speaking to what we were talking about, a lot of people are just going day by day. Let me get a job. Oh, let me join the military, right? No clue what I'm going to do after the military. No clue what I'm doing in the military. I'm just. Oh, that's another conversation. I'm too. just oh, man. winging it. I'm, <laughs> I'm living, right? You can use, like, you can use your current situation to create the life you want to, to create your ideal life. But you can't do that unless you think about what does my ideal life look like? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, then we're at basically, there's two conversations that everyone has to have with themselves. And it's a you know, that conversation of money and, and how to survive what's coming in and going out and your finances. And then the second conversation is, you know, what, what is, did I design my every day or most of the week? Did I design that even with kids and sell too? I feel like, you know, you could still map it out. How you, how you want to, how you want to live your life too. I think those are two very important conversations that, you know, I, I feel like if you can't think right now, Oh, I remember having that conversation two years ago or last year. That means you probably haven't had it and you should 
you should have that. And I think it's even more important now because inflation is real. You know, I, the cost of living right now is astronomical. Yeah, $6 for, for a bag of Doritos for uh, groceries, yesterday. gas. I mean, everything is way more expensive right now. So if you're winging it, if you have no plan in place right now, it, it's really bad, you know? And I, I almost think that sometimes it requires you to do something other people are not willing to do in order to get ahead. And I'll use myself as an example. Um, when I kind of had this life changing and we don't have enough time to talk about my story, but I, I went on this like financial diet on, in order to achieve some goals I had set for myself. And really the goal was what you're talking about. I just wanted to be free. I freaking hated my job. And I was like, I'd rather be homeless than work in this job. And yep, a lot again. of people are there That's right how now. I felt. Yeah. Okay. And so I had to make a change and I had to sacrifice in order to get from underneath the situation. And so what I did is I let go of my apartment, which I had a really nice, no, I'm sorry. I had a, a condo. I owned a home at the time. I sold my home. I went and rented a room from a friend for $500 a month. So I went from having a, a condo to renting a room in a friend's house. Um, I got rid of cable TV. Like I got rid of everything. I, um, didn't go out to eat anymore for a while. Or if I did, like I told you, I would order water and a cup of soup or something like that. I, um, I didn't shop anymore. Just, I just started saving money like crazy. And I had to completely alter my life. I got rid of my, I had an expensive car. I got rid of the car, got a cheaper car, like changed my whole life around in order to stack money. And like I told you, I was like, I'm going to do this for five years and I want to have 150 grand cash saved. And I felt like if I had that 150 grand by the time I'm 30, that it would provide me with the freedom to do what I want in life in terms of my career, in terms of, you know, whatever. And so I just started working towards that. And I think that um, right now it's even more important to be intentional like that, because if you're just, if you're just living a comfortable life, you know, most of your money is probably going to rent and gas and groceries. And you're like, I have no money left over to save and I can't do what I want to do. And you make it sound so easy, like just save your money. No, it's not easy. No one ever said it was going to be easy. It's not easy. And um, there's only a few things you can do. You can either make way more money or you can spend less or both, right? So you either have to change your lifestyle in order to spend less, or you have to figure out some way to come up and make way more money. And there's ways to do that too. I have a friend who, this was five years ago, but she started a YouTube channel and made $900,000 in the first few months. So it's possible, right, to make more money um, I think it's easier just to cut cut expenses, though. You know, it's more comfortable. It depends I feel like, on the person. Yeah, yeah, it just depends on who you are and what you're capable of. But definitely thinking outside the box when it comes to making money. You know, like I was speaking, like I said, to college kids yesterday. Well, they're high school. They're about to go to college. And I told them straight up, what kind of side hustle can you work on learning right now while you're in high school before you go to college? Maybe you can do hair. 
Maybe you can learn to DJ. Maybe you can learn to bartend, right? Because that's a skill that you could, I, I told them, hey, or you could, let, let's say you build websites. If you can learn to build websites, you could be building a website every weekend and charge someone $2,500 for that website in college or in high school even, right? Yeah. If you bartend, you could go bartend two or three nights a week and make several thousand dollars. So doing hair, for example, like if, you know, women will spend a couple hundred dollars getting their hair braided or whatever, right? So like on a Saturday, braid someone's hair, collect $300, you know? So it, you do have to start thinking outside of the box and you can't have that herd mentality of doing whatever everyone's going to college, get a job, go to college, get a job, live in debt, right? Spend all your money. Like that's what everyone's doing. You cannot get ahead doing what everyone's doing because if you look at the statistics, most Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're going to be living paycheck to paycheck, just like them. You're going to be in debt, just like them. So you have to think, what am I willing to do to go against the grain, to be creative and to be unique and to stand out and to do something different than what everyone else is doing? Because that's what's going to make the shift for you. Catch ahead. Yeah, and I, I um, my uh, experience too, I, I hope you can check out this video I'm gonna put out next week after I'm done uh, making it and share it with your students too, because it was right out of college. It's the, the title of the video is how to save $40,000 in two years working like a normal nine to five, not, you know, oh, I make, uh, you know, $100,000. I, you know, I live in my parents' condo and then I also rent it out too. It's, it's nothing like that anybody can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just straight bootstrapping. I mean, uh, I was just, um, you know, going to work, coming home, finding hobbies to do that I really, really enjoyed that weren't excessive. You know, it was right out of college too. So you want to socialize, obviously. And, you know, just there's a difference between hitting happy hours and leaving at seven rather than getting to a club at nine and staying till two in the morning. You know, you could still have the same amount of good time especially day drinking is like the cheapest thing ever everyone just meets up in the in someone's backyard you day drink it's awesome you have so much such a better time than actually um going to some club and there's some tips and pointers in there that that help and it's really i get into you know my uh, system of tracking rather than kind of budgeting which is just seeing where all of your expenses goes. I was actually one of the people that prints out all their bank statements, goes through every single one. And, um, it, uh, it was like very, every, those apps, every dollar and you need a budget. It's like very, very detailed. Yep. Yeah. And I, I actually would Excel sheet myself. Um, I didn't use like, um, a software or anything too. And I'm just going through every single thing and seeing where, um, where my money was being just flushed down the toilet and then seeing which ones, you know, where where you do need to spend money because you do need to spend money it's just defining needs and wants um so that yeah and i think like to your point being intentional about where you put your money and putting money towards things that either are going to get you to your goals or things that make you happy yeah. because we do spend frivolously you know when i'm when i'm working with clients you know everyone always talks about the whole coffee thing, like coffee is not going to letting go of coffee is not going to make you rich. But that idea is very powerful because so many people, especially those that go into like an office or whatever, 
You go into work, first thing you do is go buy a coffee and a Danish or something. There goes seven or eight dollars, right? Yeah. Then next thing you know, you're going out to lunch and you're spending $10, $15 on lunch. Then you go home, you're too tired from working. So you order Uber Eats. Then you're ordering, you know, Instacart. And then you're, you know, it's this whole, and, and when you add it all up, when you add up all these fees and all the little miscellaneous spending, and mind you, none of that has made you happy right? It's just a routine thing. Like that coffee didn't bring great joy to your life that day. No, that no. lunch didn't like make your world better. Like none of it. Right. So when instead you could have taken that money and you could have put it towards something that actually like is fun, like going out with your friends. Right. You could have, because I saw this a lot, you know, when I really started paying attention to it, I would make myself oatmeal at work. When I got to work, I would make myself a cup of oatmeal and I would make myself a cup of tea and I would um, bring my lunch. So I'd bring a sandwich or I'd have a can of soup or leftovers. And then for dinner, I would usually either cook something quick and easy or maybe, um, maybe go out to eat here and there. But by doing that, I saved so much money. I really did. It it does add up. Yeah, small building blocks adding up over mm -hmm. time. Yep, and that's exactly what I was, I was doing too. I mean, I was eat, like anytime I went out, whether it's fast food or a restaurant, I'm ordering the least expensive item for that will fill me up the most, um, over and over and over again. And you know, in my head, which is like kind of like the the whole um, mantra of the the video was this isn't forever. You know, I mean, this is I was like this is two years. Two years I'm doing this and then I'm done and not completely done. But like, you know, after that two years, you've then built these habits up this foundation yes. to then to then, you know, go off and use it. So then that amount of money that you've saved up, you're not just going to dump in one purchase. Yeah. And um, for viewers, like for viewers of this video, if you're thinking about doing something like that, you know, you could just do it for a week or do it for a month. The thing is that once you do it once, you've learned how to do it and now you can do it for an extended period of time a little bit longer each time and it starts becoming a habit eventually you start having like a mindset shift on what you're willing to spend money on what you're not willing and really if you another thing i would say is pay attention to the price of things i think a lot of us we order we buy stuff and we don't really look at the price but when you think about it for example uh you know like a cup of tea right if I'm out somewhere and I, I look at, hey, I really feel like having a tea right now. And I look and it's $4.50, which is usually what tea costs when you buy wow. it out. I'm like, yeah, no. Because a whole big box of tea is $3. Okay. So I'm not going to spend $4.50 for one little cup of tea. You know, just like if you order a soda, if you drink soda, it's $3 or $4 for a soda. But oh, you can buy a big old thing of soda for 99 cents. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, alcohol, like you said, staying home and having friends over in the backyard and drinking, right? How much are you going to save versus going? And it depends on where you live. But like in Miami, for example, where, where I was when I was like in that age, um, a drink was easily $25. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, drinking out is like... Mm, Oh yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I'll do, you know, it's, it's nice for the the celebration, but, um, you know, on just like a, uh, you know, a night of just going out with the friends, it's, 
it's definitely costly. I know? think it's harder for men just plugging that. Cause I mean, as a woman, if you go out, like when I used to go out, I would just wait for a guy to buy me a drink or, you know, whatever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you're not paying the cover charges either. <laughs> yeah. If you, or if you go, if you go on a date, a dinner date, usually the guy would pay or whatever, but I I've had, you know, male clients that I talked to about this, like, Hey, you, you can't be taking all these women out to dinner. Yeah. Or, you know, don't be buying all these women drinks at the bar or whatever, you know, my husband, it was funny when we went on our first date, it was to a coffee shop and he bought me a coffee. And I remember That's a way thinking, to do like, it though, this you know? dude is so cheap, but actually I really, really, um, I honored him and, and really like looked highly upon him afterwards. Cause I thought he's smart. Yeah. He's good with his money. Yeah. You know, the, the smartest. Like, this is, this is smart. And he did take me on a nice date after we got to know each other that, you know, that coffee date was like two hours. We spent time. I think he was trying to like vet the situation and see like, is she worth it to yeah. go on a real date? Mm -hmm. You know, but, um, I, I think we all have to just be creative about how we're living our lives on a daily basis. Yeah, exactly. My, um, I think my favorite date idea that I ever did on the first date was because um, I was trying to be less costly. Um, I live by the beach, so I we walked to the beach and I bought like four different types of wine and brought the glasses, everything, and then we just went and wine tasted on the beach. And I was like, "That's like a thirty dollar. That's a thirty dollar first date in Miami in South Beach." I was like, and "It's that's nice, not bad. <laughs> right?" And I bet that was really, really nice and creative and different. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's, I love that. I love yeah. that idea. But that's what we have to do, you know. Is just in everything, even in our career search, just be creative. Exactly, and I, um, I appreciate all these these tips and pointers. Um, Angela, that you've um, you know been able to, to chat with us today about too. Um, I love I love your YouTube channel too. You give a lot of um, great great pointers there. Where is the best place for people to find you online? Is it your website? Is it YouTube? Um, we're so we're at Modern Money Education on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Okay. And uh, okay, definitely. Yes. I encourage everybody to definitely check out your YouTube videos because you you really talk about you know financial goals. You have videos starting your own business, taxes. You know all the things that like no one got in school. <laughs> the important things that nobody actually got taught in school. Um, so it sounds like we're gonna um you know check you out and be better with our money because of it. Thank you. Yeah. So appreciate your time, uh, Angela, and I'm sure I will. We'll see you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.